now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. And welcome to the latest edition of Mother Angelica Answering the Call. I'm Doug Keck, co-hosting along with our chaplain here at EWTN, Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Great to be with you, Father. It's always good to learn from Mother, from her wisdom. Absolutely, and we get to listen to wonderful viewer phone calls asking Mother questions over the 1980s and 1990s and her wonderful responses. And uh, some of the topics that Mother takes on on this program are where does suffering come from, prayer from the heart, eternal reward, which a lot of people have questions about today, and in and out of season. And first up, something Mother knew a lot about and also... uh, had a lot of questions from people about suffering. Where does it come from? What was your experience, and what did you learn from Mother, Father Joseph about suffering? We all want to learn how to suffer better, I think. Right? Suffering is an element of our lives. And whenever I talk about it, like to pilgrim groups, they're all ears, because how can I deal with the suffering that I have in my life? Well, Mother here gives some beautiful um, understanding about suffering, the reality of it, sometimes we can bring it on ourselves through sin or just being foolish. <laughs> we go out in the cold when it's wet and damp. Uh, she brings up that point. But whatever, we can always trust that God is going to bring good out of it in some way. Like if we have sinned and we're suffering because of our bad choices, then that's going to be part of the penance that brings us back to the Lord and uh, back to reconciliation with him. Right, and Mother kind of explains a little bit about the the concept of the permitting and ordaining will of our Lord when it comes to suffering. Maybe you could give an explanation as well. Yes, again, so God does not will evil. He cannot will evil. So it comes through free will of the creatures he has created. And they can only do this because he allows them to. He permits them to make that choice. Only a free creature can love, but that free creature can also choose evil. So there are things where he permits it. I like something, though, that St. Augustine says, is that evil is not given its full reign. In other words, there are limits that God puts on the extension of evil, that it can't go as far as perhaps it could because of his mercy. But then there's also his ordaining will, where he has a particular will for us in carrying out. We can think of, of course, his son, Jesus, that his ordaining will was that he would love us until the end. And uh, so we see that in the redemption of Christ. Right. And we also get a special insight to Mother's own experiences and a special consecration she made back in 1942 when she talks about where does suffering come from. So now we have a call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Oh, where are you from? My name is Stephen. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. And what is your question? Well, it's nice to see you back. Thank you, dear. My question is about suffering. Mm -hmm. When you speak of suffering and you say to thank the Lord for Mm -hmm. the suffering, Mm -hmm. I understand that as I can use suffering to share in uh, our Lord's uh, suffering and offer it up to Him. But when people say that you should thank the Lord for suffering, how do we know and and are we to believe that 
suffering is given directly from the Lord? How do we know it's not from nature or from our bad behaviors? If you have a sweetheart, it's from him. It's either his permitting will or his ordaining will. Uh, his permitting will permits a lot of things. Sometimes, you're right, we do make our own mistakes. Well, then we use that sickness or, or trial as a penance for making that mistake. You see, we have to turn things around. Nothing happens in the world, nothing. That does, God doesn't foresee and allow, permit, or ordain. He doesn't look down and say, well, let's see, now I think a good cold or flu would do you good. <laughs> he doesn't do that. But if you go out and you're already feeling bad, and you go out in cold weather, wet weather, and you get more wet, more cold, you're going to have flu or something. Now, you can't blame God on it. You can't say, why did you give me the flu? He didn't. You gave yourself the flu by being careless. But that flu, that sickness, whatever it is you can give to the Lord in reparation for your own sin, the sins of the world the sins in your family, the sins in your parish. See, everything. Our dear Lord, listen, now look what you're going to see next week. Huh? The suffering of Jesus is unbelievable. And the Father sent his Son for that purpose to redeem us. Jesus knew every suffering, every part of it. It was not a surprise. He told his apostles. They didn't want to believe him. And so he suffered from injustice of the king. He suffered from, oh, terrible, from Pilate. That was an unjust sentence. He just, he says, well, let's uh, beat him up a little bit and that'll satisfy the people. What a terrible injustice. But see, he suffered from all the things man can do. Cruelty. Can you imagine, because he, laid, he raised Lazarus from the dead, at that point they were determined to kill him. Does that make any sense? That's what jealousy does. They didn't want that kind of redeemer. They want a key you can deliver him from Rome. But he wasn't. So we can never su suffer from injustice when we saw him suffer from injustice. What an unfair trial. And then have somebody come up and lie about him. They knew what he meant when he said in three days, I will build this temple again. He knew because they wouldn't have put soldiers there if they didn't know. They deliberately killed him in the hope that would be it. But it wasn't. It wasn't. You and I were redeemed by what? The worst kind of pain. Suffered by who? The Son of God. And for that reason, it doesn't matter if a sinful life gives you a big cross, then you accept it as your penance. You can turn it to good. And then, it doesn't matter. If I cut my finger because, you know, a finger cut from paper. They're the worst kind. Oh, they smart, they burn, they do everything. It's paper. Well, I did it. But I can say, Jesus, I give you this little cut here. It's really painful. I'll give it to you. Myself, I gave... Years ago, 1942, <clears throat> I made the consecration to Our Lady de Montfort. I give her everything. Then I'd feel I don't need to worry about it. 
I give her everything. And then she can give it to whomever she wants to. See? You can do that. They don't have to worry. Did I do it? Did they do it? Did he do it? Hey, what's the difference? You got it. If your nose running, it's running. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? You don't have to blame God. Just give it to him. Lord, I give you my runny nose. <laughs> Why not? I mean, it's miserable. We can give God anything. We have to be as children. Little children, he said, because they inherit the kingdom of God. Well, don't be afraid to give him everything. Everything. Even good things. Mm. I like cherry pie. I like lemon pie. I like uh, yogurt and bananas mixed together. Now, if the sisters, out of their own heart and love for me, give me one of these, I'm grateful. And I say, thank you, Jesus. Hey, we want to thank Jesus when Michelle gave it to you because he inspired her to give it to me. I thank her, too. But see, everything that happens to us all day long is for our good. See? Try that. Now moving on to our next caller. And call, it has to do with prayer from the heart. And I thought Mother makes an interesting uh, point in her response. She talks about, so I can just be content with being aware. The idea that just being in front of our Lord and just listening to our Lord and being aware of Him may be mm -hmm. enough. Yes, that the heart is mentioned in the scriptures over a thousand times. And it's that place of covenant. It's a place of decision. It's a place of encounter with God. And so there in the heart that we can just be in the Lord's presence, being loved by Him and loving Him in return. And hopefully all of our prayer has that component, of course. But we have vocal prayers. We pray with our lips. We have mental prayer where we reflect upon different events in our Lord's life, for example, and reflect on how that might have happened. And um, But in all those, hopefully the heart is not absent. Right, and I think the idea that uh, she also points out is that if your intentions are good, you don't have to be perfect in exactly how you're praying and what you're thinking. Our Lord knows what's in your heart, so pray with your heart. So let's see, as Mother Angelica answers the question about praying from the heart. We have a call. Hello? Yes, thank you, Mother, for taking my call. Wonderful. I wanted to ask you, how do we pray from the heart? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, many of us pray. I think many people pray today. And you can pray from the mind, can't you? Huh? Uh, you can pray from the lips. You say the rosary. The rosary is a combination of lip prayer and mind prayer. We have to think of that mystery, that, that part of Jesus' life. And that's a prayer. Sometimes we can sit under a tree or sit in a chapel with the Blessed Sacrament and just think of some part of our Lord's life or just read the scriptures and, and just stop and, and think like we did tonight. Think of the things in there not written that went along with it. And that's mental prayer. But then there's another kind. Well, if I think of the child Jesus, <laughs> I can't say anything. I can't think either. You say, why? Well, I don't know, really. 
except I know he loves me and I love him. And so I can be just content with being aware, not feeling, but being aware he loves me and I love him. That prayer of the heart. Oh, you can sit down or kneel or walk around for a long time just being aware. It's not here, you see, because you can't think. It's not here because you can't say anything. It's here. A deep awareness that he loves you and you love him. That's it. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us as we move into part two of the program, Answering the Call. That's Mother Angelica answering all those phone calls over the years. This one, with Father Joseph and me, has to do with eternal reward. And it's interesting, too, Father, because you've got the Eternal Word television network, Mm -hmm. and people seem to forget about the reward in eternity, or they think everybody gets it. What's Mother's take? Yes, that uh, even the sufferings of this life are going to be rewarded in eternal life. And that's where this caller has a question. Well, my grandmother was such a spiritual person. Why is she suffering so much? And I've heard that question, you know, before. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they deserve this kind of suffering at the end of their life. But Mother says something that's unexpected to many ears is that, well, maybe it's because she's such a spiritual person. She's joining with Jesus in his own suffering and uh, you know, winning the salvation of other souls, perhaps. Well, I always think of that. I think of you who was around, or were around that Friday before Mother passed away, and you talked mm-hmm. about uh, your own personal experience in witnessing her, in a sense, being united with our Lord, right, in suffering. Yes, it was Good Friday, and she had this beautiful crucifix in her room, and I took that crucifix, as we do on Good Friday, held it up to her lips, which she would kiss for the last time. And it was a day of great suffering for her. Uh, Holy Saturday was more calm and more peaceful, and then Easter Sunday, she went to her eternal reward, and where all that suffering seemed like nothing. And let us all pray that we, too, shall have that happen in our lives and know that there is no wasted suffering. So this one is about eternal reward. We have a call. Hello? Hi, Mother. Hey, where are you from? Pittsburgh. What is your question, hi? Um, I was just wondering that if my grandmother is such a spiritual person, why is she in so much constant pain? Well, it's uh, perhaps because your grandma is a deeply spiritual person that she has constant pain. You say, well, why is that? Well, isn't that what Jesus did? He was not only a good person and not only a holy person, but the infinite God. God himself. And he had to suffer his entire life. 
being a child, you see, we, we don't understand what it means to be God. So we cannot understand what it would mean for God to become a child. Dependent upon Mary and Joseph. You say, well, that's not too bad. Well, wait a minute now. He had to depend on them. He had to learn how to walk. The God who made us to walk, who created us from nothing, had to learn to walk. We can't imagine that, but he was holy and God himself, and, and yet he had to do that. Why? For us to suffer, for you and I, so we could live with him in his kingdom. And so you and I have lost sight of the value of suffering. It's valuable because it changes us. Hmm? Even little things like uh, lettuce. See, lettuce? Yeah, lettuce. Did you ever wash, eat lettuce, put salad and, and cucumbers and tomatoes and not wash it? Oh, and spinach. <laughs> you wash and wash and wash. You look at it, you say, is it worth it? You, you, you start out with that much spinach and it goes... <sighs> and you get all that and there's still sand in it. And that's spinach. How much more? When I'm given a body... And I'm destined for this awesome place we call heaven, so different than this place, where I have to be like the master. I have to be like him. It means then I have to change. Where I was impatient, I have to be patient now, and that's a suffering that I will have as I get older, more pain and more everything, where parts of your body begin to wear down and wear out. Why? Because you're getting ready for a new baggage, for a new trip, for a new face. Don't cost anything here. You know how much it costs for people to get an overhaul? <laughs> And then they don't look the same. <laughs> you know, they're put way up like this, you know, they put this down like that. You don't look like yourself. You know, everybody knows, oh, she had a facelift. Your whole face looks like sandpaper, and you go through all of that, and that's suffering. It's painful for just a new face. Hmm. How much more? Your soul is renewed and beautiful. So beautiful is one soul that's holy that all the suns in the world, all the moons and all the stars cannot compare with the beauty of one holy soul. Wow. Because we've lost sight of that necessity in this life, We don't always understand honey, that it's necessary. If Jesus had it, said Mary had it, 
and Joseph had it and everybody else, then it's right and holy because we're talking about an eternal reward. And closing this program out, we've got a question about in-season and out-of-season. What exactly was she talking about? This is really a beautiful insight. I, I found this you know, very helpful for people, I think, and for myself, too, is that sometimes we don't feel like being kind or patient or doing what we need to do, the duties of our state and life. Well, that's out of season, but we're still called to bear fruit the fruit of charity, the fruit of generosity, the fruit of love. And then there's other times when we are moved and we feel good and we'd like to do something good, and that's in season. And, uh, you know, I remember Father Angelus who was here, and he was not feeling the best one time when he was a little boy, and he told his mother, I don't want to go to school, I don't feel good. <laughs> and his German grandmother said, or his German mother said to him, Look, most of the things that are done in the world are done by people who don't feel good. You're going to school. <laughs> there you go. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yes. Uh, it's interesting, too, with, with that, that idea of in and out of season. I remember Marriage and Count always talked about the idea uh, of talking about the time you were loving to your spouse even though you didn't feel loving. You know, mm -hmm. the time you did that because you knew this is what I'm required to necessarily not because I felt like doing it. And a great line Mother's got in here about fasting. You'll have to wait to hear what she has to say. But I heartily endorse it in and out of season. We have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother. How are you? Oh, fine. Where are you from? I am from Cleveland, Ohio. Wonderful. My home state. And what can I do for you? You're talking about difficult parables in the Bible. Yeah. And in two of the Gospels, there's the story where Jesus walks past the fig tree, mm -hmm. and we're told the fig tree is not in season. Right. He's hungry and wants some figs, mm -hmm. and since there are no figs, he curses the tree and it dies. Yeah, next day. And that's difficult for me to understand. Yeah, okay. They were difficult for the apostles, if you remember. Next day they went over, and that tree was, was a shrub. And they said, Master, look at the tree you cursed. Now, what did that parable mean? That parable meant that we must bear fruit in season and out of season. There's no excuse. The grace, that we used to call it actual grace. It's still actual grace. This man who just called, you see, he had to bear fruit out of season. He hates this guy, and the guy hates him, but he's got to bear fruit. He's got to forgive, 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 and pray for him. Get out of that situation. Our dear Lord, you know, a lot of people today, and I'm not saying some people are right, but we blame our relatives and our family. Oh, I had a terrible childhood. Well, what does that mean? You had a terrible childhood. But they use that experience to excuse their hot temper, their hatred. That is past. It's gone. You're an adult now. You got your own mind, your own family, your own way. So you cannot keep your, you can't hold this crutch. Somebody made me do this. Oh, come on. You got a will. You made yourself do that. See, when our dear Lord cursed that he did it for a reason. He wanted us to understand. Oh, I got a headache. Why are you so grouchy? I got a headache. 
That's an excuse to be grouchy? Take some Tylenol or something. Why are you so irritable? I'm fasting today. Well, go eat a hot dog. You know, if fasting makes you irritable, go and eat. Who wants to live with you? See, we do, we do senseless things. Some people are in situations, and I know, I was one of them. Misfortune is a part of their life. That is not an excuse. You're out of season. You don't feel good. But you still have to be loving and kind. Somebody is terribly unjust to you. You can't be unjust to someone else. In season and out of season means whether I feel consoled by God or I feel abandoned by God, I am still called to what? Bear fruit. I am still called to bear fruit. If it's a cross, I must bear it patiently. If it's a joy, I must be grateful. If someone does me a grave injustice, then I have to bear that too. God will, must be my life, your life. So what our dear Lord is saying, he bore fruit in season, healing the sick and the blind, and he bore fruit out of season. Hanging on a cross, what did he do? He forgave and excused them. In season, out of season. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.